Good morning. I'm excited to be here today. I want to thank you for your presence, especially if you're visiting with us. And it's my prayer this morning that as we go through this lesson, that first and foremost, the things that we study will be true. I hope that everything that we talk about today you can find in God's Word and that it's truthful. Secondly, I hope this is something that you can take into your life, something that you can internalize and that it will help you in your walk with Christ. It will help you each day uh, as we live in the world. And thirdly, I hope that you enjoy our study. I hope that uh, the words that I say, that the time that we have together is something that you enjoy. I want to begin our study this morning with a story. It's a story that I saw, a video that I saw, and it was in a setting much like this one. It was a classroom, and a professor was up talking to a group of his students, and he picked up a glass of water, and he asked them this question. How much does this cup weigh? Seems like a, a fairly simple and straightforward question, and the students looked around and kind of puzzled about the simplicity of this question. Finally, one raises her hand, and she says, well, I think it weighs eight ounces. And he's quiet, so another student raises his hand. He says, he says 12 ounces. It weighs 12 ounces. The next student raises his hand. He says, it weighs 16 ounces. And, and finally, the, the students begin to understand that the professor's not after that, that answer. And so one student raises his hand, and he says, okay, professor, tell us, how much does this, this cup of water weigh? And this is what the professor says. The professor says, does the weight really matter? Does the weight really matter? And, and he begins to explain. He says, you see, the absolute weight of this cup does not matter. What matters is how long I choose to hold on to it for. If I choose to hold this cup for one minute and I set it down, the weight didn't matter. It, it didn't provide any stress in my life. No, no problem with my arms. Well, what if I decide I want to hang on to this cup for two hours? I want to hold on to this cup till noon. Well, maybe then the weight starts to take a toll. My arms begin to stiffen. I'm having some discomfort. Well, what if I choose to hold on to that cup all day? What if I choose to hold on to that cup all day? Well, if I hold on to that cup all day, pretty soon my arms are going to become so stiff that it's going to paralyze me. I'm not going to be able to hold this cup of water anymore. And so he set the cup of water down. He said, you see, the weight doesn't matter because I'm not carrying the cup. And I, I thought about that story, and I thought, surely there's a lesson here. Surely there's a lesson that can be applied to our Christian lives. Now, his point was about stress, the stress of classes and the toll that different things in their lives were taking on their mental health. But when I think about our Christian life, what we have to understand is that it doesn't matter how heavy something is. What matters is how long we choose to hold it. Life is hard, and things weigh us down. No one will debate that, right? How do we measure our trials in life? How do we measure things that stress us out, challenges that we face? Well, here's how I measure them. I ask myself, I say, well, how heavy is the thing that I'm going to have to bear? How hard is it to go through illness? How hard will it be to lose this loved one? How hard will it be for me to go through this financial strife? 
So that's one way that we measure our treasure, our, our problems, excuse me. What's the other way that we measure them? We say, well, what is my ability to hold it? How strong am I? How strong is my Christianity? That's how we measure things in life. So think about it this way. Think about if you have an argument with your spouse, right? I'm probably the only one that does this. <laughs> an argument with your spouse. You go through an argument with your spouse in the morning, and if you don't control your thoughts, what happens? You go, man, she is never going to change. <laughs> She's never going to see things my way. She's never going to go and understand my point of view. And, and what happens if we choose to hold on to this for an hour? What happens? Does it affect your mood a little bit? Does it begin to take a toll on your train of thought? What if, what if you choose to hold on to this all day? Well, it's... It's going to ruin your day. Your day is going to be encompassed with a cloud of negative thoughts over, over something that you couldn't control in the morning, thoughts that you couldn't put away. What if you choose to hold on to it for a month? What if you choose to hold on to it for a year? It's not, it's not just going to take a toll on the relationship with your spouse. It's going to take a toll in every aspect of your life. It's going to begin to shape your life. And the, the truth of the matter is, is that God has prepared a table for us. God has prepared a place where we can take our metaphorical cup and we can place that cup on Him. And the weight won't matter because guess what? If He's carrying it, I'm not carrying it. I'm not carrying it. The weight doesn't matter. Jesus wants you to place the weight on him so that he, began, he can begin to carry it for you. He can handle the stresses and the problems in your life. So as we build upon this idea of the way that we measure life trials, life's struggles, let's talk about the weight of the glass and my strength to carry it. I automatically thought of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24, Jesus is teaching here, and this is what he says. He says, Therefore, who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, if you're like me, in your life, when you're facing difficulty, and you're facing uh, a matter of success or failure, what do we do? We always blame the storms in the house. You understand what I'm saying? We blame the storms. We say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand how hard the thing that I have is. You see, my problems are bigger than your problems. See, we're, we're weighing the cup. We're weighing the trials of life. We say, my weight is heavier than your weight. The storm is just too hard. Or what else do we say? Well, I just, I'm not built like you. I, I can't. I can't handle things the same way that you can. You see, your house, your house is better than my house. Verse number 25, speaking of the wise man, the Bible says, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. Verse number 27, speaking of the foolish man, it says, the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. What's the difference between the storm and the house? 
There's no difference. There's no difference between the storm. There's no difference between the house because that's not what matters. The storms, the houses, they were exactly the same. They were exactly the same. So what's the variable? What's the variable between success and failure in this story? You know the answer. The variable is one man believed in Jesus and did what he said, and one man did not. Your belief, your faith, your trust in God, that's the variable. That is what helps us get through these trials and these storms in life, no matter the shape of our house. Maybe a, another way to phrase it, what I'm really getting at this morning or what I really want to get at this morning is, is summed up in a question like this. Do I have the faith? Do I have the faith to give my trials, my struggles, my problems to God or not? Do you have the faith this morning to take your cup of trials and place them on the table that God provides for us and allow him to bear those things so that we don't have to? So, <clears throat> maybe I'm the only one that does this, but before I preach, I typically talk to my wife about my lesson, kind of get some feedback, and one of the things that she said was, well, what's your uh, application? What's the application of your lesson? And I got to go into my lesson, like, you know, there's really not a whole lot of do this in this sermon. So I put together this slide of what I would call applicable preaching, things that you can do to help you understand and help you cope and help you learn that the weight doesn't matter, that, that the weight is Jesus Christ to bear and not yours. So here's that list. Number one, pray with expectation. In the morning when you wake up, in the afternoon, in the evening, whatever your daily prayer schedule is like, pray with expectation. When you go to God and you ask Him to help you, to ease your anxiety, to bless your health, whatever it is, pray with the expectation that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. God is faithful. Pray with expectation. Number two, read seeking direction. When you read your Bible, don't just read it like a story. Don't just read it like something that has good life principles, but read it thinking that, man, I can take these things, and if I do what the Bible tells me, and if I go the direction that it's telling me to go, I will have success. Number two, read seeking direction. Number three, find a mentor. You are not the first one to go through whatever it is that you're going through. You're not the first one to worry about losing your job. You're not the first one to face an illness. Find a mentor. Number three, find accountability. If you're struggling with having poor thoughts, find someone that you trust, someone that you know will hold you accountable, not hold things over your head. Tell that person what you're struggling with and make them hold you accountable. So if you want applicable preaching this morning, there's my list. Those are the things that I want you to do in your life, things that I want you to implement in your life. But, you know, as I thought about this, What's the problem with this list? The problem is that all of these things, they depend on you. <laughs> they depend on you doing something and you being good and you being awesome. And we just established that, guess what? I, I can't. I'm not awesome. I can't hold my cup. <clears throat> so here's the questions that I want to pose to you. 
Here's some more questions that get at the heart of what I, I really want to talk about this morning. Number one, do you believe, do you believe that God's grace is strong enough to help you? Do you believe that God's grace is strong enough to help you? Number two, do you believe, do you truly believe that God is dependable enough He's dependable enough that when we go to him and we give him our cares, that he will truly carry those things for us. Is he dependable? Do you believe that? Number three, do you believe that God is gracious enough? Is God good enough to forgive you? The things that you've done in your life, do you believe, do you have faith that he will truly forgive you? You see, this morning... It's not about you doing. It's not about you doing. Not about the things that I can do. It's not about the things that you can do. What it's about is believing my belief, your belief in what God can do. And that's what I want to speak about this morning. Those are, those are the questions this morning that I want to get at, that I want to answer. Go with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. This is Jesus speaking. And he's telling the the disciples here, he's telling people around him that he is preaching to, he's saying, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden. All you who labor and are heavy laden. What does that mean, to labor and be heavy laden? You know, I think of one of my least favorite things in the world, and that was junior high athletics. (laughs) And I'm in a training room, and I'm riding one of those bikes, and you ride that bike, you know what I'm talking about? It has the fan on it. It's an elliptical bike, and you're riding it, and you're, you're putting in all this effort, and where are you going? You're going nowhere. <laughs> you're sitting there, and you're just, you're just treading water. You're just going, but you're not going anywhere. That's what it means to labor. Does anyone know what that feels like? He says, if you're heavy laden, if you're tired, if you're worn out, if life has beat you down, He says, those are the people that I want. Come to me and I will give you rest, he says. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When I think about verse number 30, I think about all the ways that I've pitched Christianity to other people trying to convert them. And you know what I say? I don't say, come to Jesus His yoke is easy and his burden is light. You know what I say? It's going to be hard and heavy. If you want to be a Christian, you're going to have to fight. It's going to be really tough. Does that sound like what Jesus is saying? Jesus says, come to me for my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. What does it mean to be yoked to Jesus? To be yoked to Jesus. When you think about a yoke... I think about like an 1800s, I guess it doesn't have to be 1800s. I think of a carriage. And I think of two horses drawing a carriage and they're, they're tied together with a yoke. They're standing next to each other and they're tied together with a yoke. And that yoke distributes the weight between them so that as they pull the load behind them, they're able to bear it. They're able to move that carriage forward. So what it means to be yoked to Jesus is that whenever I'm standing next to Jesus... Who's doing the pulling? Who's carrying the weight? Jesus is. Jesus offers to carry the weight. He says, look, if you will do what I say, 
If you will seek me, if you will believe in me and have trust in me, then I will pull the weight. I will carry the load. I will bear your cup. I hope that you're beginning to understand the principle that I'm trying to build upon. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, you know where we are here. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he's literally chained to a wall. He's in prison. Things are are not going good for him. And this is what he tells other Christians. He says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. This is what I want to know. Do you believe this morning that God offers a peace? He tells us that God offers a peace. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God will guard your heart? Do you believe that if you come to Jesus, if you ask for help, if you attempt to place this cup on his table, that he will guard your mind? Do you believe that? Philippians 4, verse 13, just a a few verses later, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, it's not about Paul. It's not about Paul being able to pull the carriage and, and be tied to the yoke and go, go, go. What does he say? He says, it's Christ's strength. It's not my strength to bear the load. It's Christ's strength to bear the load. Ephesians 6, verse 10, writing to the church in Ephesus, Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, be strong. It's up to you. Be strong. He doesn't say that. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not about my strength. It's not about me holding the cup. It's not about me pulling the wagon. It's about Christ's strength. It's about what Christ can do, not about what I can do. So that's our introduction. (laughs) That's the introduction this morning. And what I want to do now is is I want to move into three distinct points. Three distinct points that I believe each of us can relate to in ways that we can take our trust and our belief and we can be successful through these three scenarios if we will place our burden on Christ. Number one, intense trust. And intense is not the right word. Deep, meaningful, intense trust in God through difficult life situations. Difficult life situations. Everyone here understands what that is. Everyone here has had difficult trials in life. You've gone through unique circumstances. You faced issues with your life. You understand what difficult life situations are. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, what's the context here? The people that Jesus is speaking to, his disciples, what were the things that they were dealing with? What were the things that first century Christians or people, disciples of Jesus himself, what did they deal with? Well, number one, they lacked physical necessity. They didn't know, where's my next meal coming from? What am I going to eat tonight? What am I going to eat tomorrow? Where am I even going to be tomorrow? They didn't know that. They lacked physical necessity a lot of times. Number two, persecution. They were made fun of. They were counted as outcasts. Sometimes they were physically abused. 
They faced persecution. Number three, they had uncertainty of their physical well-being. You ever thought about that? They didn't have access to 21st century health care. If they got the flu, guess what? That might be the end. If they broke an arm, it wasn't, I'm going to be in a cast for six weeks. It was, man, I'm going to have problems with this the rest of my life. They, they didn't know the state of their physical well-being from one day to the next. They faced all of these problems. They had all of these things that they were dealing with. And what, if you're like me, where's the first place your mind went to? You thought, man, what they're dealing with, it's way over here. The things that they're going through are really hard. Compared to what I'm going through, man, I got it good. That's nothing compared to what they're going through. But the weight doesn't matter. The weight doesn't matter. What matters is how long am I going to hold it? How long am I going to bear this? So Matthew chapter 6, verse number 25. Before we read this, I just want you to notice three direct statements that Jesus makes. Number one, he says, do not worry about your life. A little bit further down, he says, do not worry. Number three, a little bit further down, he says, therefore, do not worry. This is the way that I've preached this in the past, and it's terrible. You know what I say? I say, stop. Just stop. Jesus says stop, so just stop. Stop, stop, stop. Does that work? We can all read this, right? A lot of us probably have this memory. We understand. Jesus says stop. Don't worry. But that's not what it's about. Let's read it a little closer. Verse number 25, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying could add one cubit to his stature? So Jesus takes something and he makes a comparison. He says, look, you are here and the birds of the air are here. Look at the birds. They have plenty to eat. I take care of them. Do you not think that I'm going to take care of you? He continues, he says, so why do you worry about clothing? Can consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So he moves even further down the ladder and he says, it's a flower. <laughs> it's a flower. I'm taking care of the flower. Do you not have the faith to think that I'm going to take care of you as well? He continues and he says, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field. Grass. I hate grass. <laughs> Think about grass. What do we do with grass? We spend money to water the grass so we can spend money to mow the grass. And then we water it. And we, it's terrible. Grass is so insignificant. And what does he say? He says, If I'm going to take care of the grass, do you not think I'm going to take care of you as well? And it's interesting to me. He makes this statement. He says, where is your faith? O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. If you don't think I'm going to take care of you, you need to strengthen your faith. He continues, he says, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows. Your heavenly Father knows. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God knows what you're going through? 
Do you believe that God understands the problems in your life? Do you believe that? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry on its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is good enough to take care of you? Do you believe that he cares enough? The things in your cup that you're bearing, will he take care of it? You know, it doesn't really matter if what's in your cup is one drop of water. It doesn't matter if you don't think it weighs anything at all. If you carry that cup around for a week, it's going to start to hurt. If you carry that cup around for a year, you're going to be paralyzed. And if you continue and continue to carry that cup around, you're going to be miserable. It's not about what's in the cup, but it's about our ability to give it to Jesus. I want us to be able to say this morning that I believe through my faith, through my faith, my belief in God, that I have access to power that is infinite. And the emotional weight, the spiritual weight, the things that weigh on me daily in this life, the trials, the problems, they're nothing. They're nothing compared to the power of Jesus Christ. They're nothing compared to his strength to be able to bear those things for me. I hope you believe this morning. Number two, <clears throat> you know, we talked about difficult life situations and this idea of a cup, this idea of bearing this cup and, and placing this cup down whenever we want Jesus Christ to bear it. But when I think about difficult temptation, when I think about times in my life when I've struggled with specific sins, when the devil has me in his sights, I don't think about a cup. I think about being leaned up against a wall. And I'm, I'm pushing up against this wall, and there's, there's water on the other side of this wall, and it's pushing against me. And I'm fighting, and I'm fighting, and I'm trying to hold up this wall. And I'm using my strength. And I say, I can do this. I can hold up this wall. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 Verse number 13, Paul writes here and he says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So as we think of our metaphor that we have going with a wall and we're leaned up against the wall, what do we tell ourselves? What do we preach so often from this very pulpit? We say, fight, grit your teeth, Bear down. Flex your Christian muscles and fight it. And we push up against the wall and we fight and we fight and we fight and we tell ourselves, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lean up against this wall and I'm going to prove to God that I can do this and that I love him. So I'm going to fight. If that's our attitude, what's going to happen? That wall the wall that we're so desperately leaning against, the wall that we're so desperately afraid of, it's going to fall and it's going to crush us. And more than likely, it's going to send us even further down, further down into deeper darkness. If we choose to fight this thing on our own, then we will be crushed. 
What does he say? He says, God is faithful. What does that mean, God is faithful? It means that whenever temptation comes and we feel the pressure of the wall begin to build, it means we're not alone. It means God is faithful. He is there with us, and he sees that. He sees our temptation. He sees our problems. And rather than acting like a cheerleader, saying, you can do it. Keep fighting. You can do it. What does he say? He says he will make a way of escape. He will make a way of escape. This morning, if you're leaned up against the wall, if you're fighting and you're pushing and you're doing everything in your might to fight temptation, I want you to understand that God is faithful. And God will reach down in your temptation if you will let him, and he will put his hand on the wall, and he will carry the weight. And not only will he carry the weight, but what does he say? He says he will allow you to escape. He will provide a way of escape for you. So I go back to the idea of faith. The idea of trust, the idea of belief. Do you believe that God is faithful to see you through your temptations? As I was reading, preparing for this lesson, I read back a little bit, and I guess I never really understood the comparison that Paul makes to the children of Israel. Now, he talks about a lot more negative things about them than he does positive But this is what he says. He says, verse number one, he says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. They all passed through the sea, and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink. They drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. You know, when I think about the comparison he makes to the children of Israel, I can't help but think about the idea that they passed through the sea. Think about the position that the children of Israel were in. They left Egypt. They ventured down. They traveled to this sea. And what do they see? They see the Egyptian army. Their enemy coming. Their enemy pressing up against them. And they're they're literally between a rock and a hard place. They have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to go. And when you find yourself in this situation where you're pressed with nowhere to go, what do we do? What do we do? We say, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight it. What would have happened if the children of Israel would have tried to fight it? They would have been crushed. Well, maybe you say, well, I'm just going to outthink it. I'm just going to outthink it. And we say, well, the children of Israel could have built boats. They could have you know, made their way across. They wouldn't have had time. It wouldn't have worked. You see, they couldn't do it by themselves. They couldn't do it by themselves. Now, it's a really unique illustration, but what does God do? The children of Israel understand their frailty. They understand that they are helpless to fight the enemy alone, and they go to God, and they ask for help, and what does he do? He parts the water, and he holds the wall of water while the children of Israel pass through. God is faithful God is faithful, and when we're going through temptation, and we have nowhere to go, and we're pressed up against the wall, just like he held the water back for the children of Israel, he will hold the wall of temptation back in your life if you will let him, if you believe that he will. And you know, it's, 
It's really interesting. I kind of just realized this while I'm preaching, but the children of Israel go through on dry land. They, they pass through on dry land and they're safe. And they're, they're out of danger. And then what happens? Their enemy begins to pursue them. And what does God do to their enemy? He destroys them. He destroys the Egyptian army, never to disturb the Israelites again. Did the children of Israel provide their own way of escape? You say, no, that's crazy. Now, did the children of Israel have to do something? Yeah, they had to walk through the water. They had to make a path through the water. But to say that the children of Israel did anything great, that's crazy, right? It was God. It was God's power. It was their belief in God's power that saved them, not their own walking through the water. God gave the children of Israel a way to escape, and this morning, he offers the same thing for you. He offers the same thing for you. And so when I think about temptation, when I think about something easy like pornography that we're all familiar with, should we smash up our computer? Yeah, we should. Should we get rid of our smartphone? Yeah, we should. Should we have someone hold us accountable? Yeah, we should. We should do all of these things, but we shouldn't do these things because I'm doing it out of my strength and my ability to hold up the wall. We should do these things because I believe that God is making a pathway for me. God is providing the way of escape for me. And because of my belief in him and his power, I will take it. I will take the way of escape that he provides for me. Intense trust in God through difficult temptation. Number three, intense trust in God through relentless spiritual distress. You know, when we talk about point number one, difficult life situations, I'm pretty certain that everyone here understands what I'm talking about. Everyone's been through difficult life situations. When I talk about point number two, we all understand that part of being a Christian, part of being a human is that we're going to face temptation. The devil is going to try to tempt us. We, we all understand. We've all been in a situation like this. But when I think of point number three, I wonder, I really do, I wonder who, who really understands what I'm talking about? Who really understands what relentless spiritual distress is? Who understands what it's like to carry around guilt? to carry around sorrow, to have deep emotional pain over maybe something I've done, the way that I hurt someone, the way that I hurt someone that I love. Who understand what it's, what it's like to have regret? Regret for the things that I've done. So when I think of things like this, I don't think of a cup and placing a cup on a table. I don't think of a wall and allowing God to hold the wall for me. No, I think about being in the bottom of a 12-foot swimming pool. And it's dark outside, and there's no light around me. I don't know up from down. There's no oxygen. I can't breathe. And without someone to save me, I'm going to die. <clears throat> You know, whenever we talk about guilt and sorrow and emotional pain, regret, it's important for us to understand 
that whenever we chose to become a Christian, whenever we chose to put on Christ, God removed these things from my life. It is not God's will for me to feel this way. It is not God's will for me to struggle with these things. And, you know, I don't know in the past if I've worn it almost as like a sense of humility or something, but what do we do? We walk around and we go, you just, you just don't know the things I've done. I just don't know if I'm good enough. And that's not the way God wants us to be. God doesn't want us to question our salvation because when we do that, we're not questioning our past. What are we questioning? We're questioning His power, His ability, His power to do things in our life, to save us and to make us whole. You know, God didn't pull us up out of the deep, dark swimming pool and give us a breath of fresh air just to be like my 14-year-old brother was and dunk me back under and lift me back up and dunk me back under and lift me back. God doesn't want to do that. God wants to lift you out of the pool and he wants you to stay alive, able to breathe, forgiven of the things that you've done. As we wind down, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse number 1. Paul writes and he says, You were dead in the trespasses, excuse me, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were down there. You were in the depths. You were surely going to die where you were. Verse number two, you were following the prince of the power. Verse number three, your own passions. You were nat by nature children of wrath. You were in a bad spot. But verse number four, what does he say? He says, but God, but God, rich in mercy, his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You see, when you were in the bottom of the pool, you were pulled out. You were alive. You were quickened. You were saved by Jesus Christ and the grace that he offers us. Verse number six, you can't spend your time in the bottom of the pool anymore. Why? Because he raised us up and he seated us with him in heavenly places. He didn't seat us next to guilt or emotional pain or regret he pulled us up and he says, you're with me. You're with me. Verse number eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. You know, I think back to our illustration with the children of Israel. No one would argue that the children of Israel didn't save themselves. God saved the children of Israel, didn't he? We can all agree on that. He did. But they still had to walk through the water. <laughs> they still had to follow the path that he made before them. We have been saved by God's grace. God has pulled us out of the depths. You don't have to drown. You don't have to worry about your next breath of fresh air. You don't have to worry about where the light is coming from. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Verse number 10, it says, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. God pulled me up out of this pool where I was drowning and where I was dead. 
And I can't go back there. Why? Because God is creating me into who he wants me to be. And it's not that guy. It's not that guy. We are his workmanship. Quickly, Romans 6, verses 4 through 6. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Do you believe that God freed you from sin? That you are no longer a slave to the things that you used to do? You're no longer a slave to the pain that you used to cause. The emotional weight, the emotional weight of those things doesn't matter because Jesus chose to go down and pull you up. <clears throat> so we've talked this morning about these three different situations. Number one, we talked about having this deep, intimate trust in God through difficult life situations. That whenever we are bearing our, metaphor, our metaphorical cup, that we don't have to carry it around for an hour. We don't have to worry about what's going on for a day or, or a week or a year. Because why? Because we have a table. We have Jesus Christ who has said, Give me your cup. Give me your problems and I will bear them. Number two, we talked about having this deep and intense trust in God through difficult temptations. We talked about being pressed up against a wall of water, against fighting and understanding that if I do this myself, I'm going to lose. But if I can have the faith and the trust in God that he will reach down and he will hold the wall and provide me with this way of escape that I can have success. I can have success over my temptation. We talked about this idea of being in the bottom of a swimming pool, drowning, looking for air, looking for light, having nowhere to go, and understanding that if we will have faith in God, if we will have faith in his salvation process, then he will reach down and he will pull us up from the depths. You see, when you think about the cup, you think about the wall, you think about the swimming pool, you think about all the things that you can go through in this life. This is ultimately what I want you to be able to say. The weight, the cup, the wall, the swimming pool, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I will trust God enough to take it out of my hands, out of my ability, and to allow him to carry it. This morning, if you're struggling, if you're going through difficult life situations, if you're fighting temptation and the wall's going to crush you, if you're in the bottom of the swimming pool and you don't know if you can make it out, come this morning, let us help you as together we stand and sing.